Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hello there, people of Earth. You're listening to myself, Jay Carter. I'm joined by producer Stove. Here taking you all the way up to midnight. It is Friday night. We've got some absolutely banging guests today. Ralphus Morris of Mixmag, Acetate, Ralph Moore Media. Oh, just does a lot of things, this man. And I also have the wonderful Melee. He's come in for a chat and to share some tracks. You're listening to Spotlight on Soho Radio. We are here taking you all the way up to midnight. I have the wonderful Melee. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me. I've been kind of following your path for a number of years. You started playing when you were 13, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I start, I started kind of learning how to DJ and learning how to produce when I was like 13. Um, I was quite lucky that like my uncle got me into it like really, really early on, um, which was which is great. And so then when I kind of started taking it a bit more seriously when I was like around 17, 18. Um, I was kind of ready then to put out some music and start DJing in clubs and stuff. So I kind of had like, I've, I've been doing it for like a long time. But um, Yeah, it's mad. Like 13, you know, all I cared about was what was at the sweet shop. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like a weird thing. Cause it's like, it was strange because none of my friends at the time uh, who I went to school with and stuff did it and they weren't really into music and I mean I'm not from like a massive musical family either like as I say my uncle was really into it but like my mum and dad weren't like you know they weren't like really into music or like they, they didn't play any instruments or anything like that so it's always been like a strange thing like where I've kind of picked it up from I suppose you just felt drawn to it yeah yeah I don't know I, I kind of remember like being like uh, 11 and um, getting Dr. Dre 2001 that album and there was just something I was so obsessed with it I don't yeah. know, I don't, I really couldn't tell you where it came from. That's amazing because I think, you know, it's clearly, you've just found your path. Exactly, it's kind of like, yeah, it, I mean, a lot of my friends kind of speak to me about like, you know, how how did you kind of find this kind of thing that you were meant to do, obviously. And you can't really, you don't, you can't really have an answer for it really because I don't know, I just do it and <laughs> that's, it's what you're into, do you know what I mean? Yeah, that, well that's the best answer, I completely feel that. 
And like, how did you get into it? Like, I couldn't really tell you, but yeah, I'm very much in it fun. now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was brilliant. How, how did you start building your kind of melee empire, so to speak? Well, I think it was um, when I kind of started the melee thing. It was probably going on 10 years now. Um, it was kind of, I was, when I first started DJing in maybe like in clubs and stuff, it was 2010. Um, I kind of didn't know what I was doing because I was 17, 18 years old. Yeah. You know, I was kind of just like figuring it out as I was going along, really. Um, so I was kind of just like playing loads of different types of music and it kind of took me, I'd say, until about three, four years ago, I really started feeling really comfortable with like what I'm what I'm trying to do. Because I think when you're when you're 18 or in, you're in your early 20s, you don't really know what you're doing. <laughs> like in you're, life. You're, yeah, in life and in kind of a bit of everything. You don't, I don't like I didn't know what I wanted to play. I didn't know what my whole thing I didn't I didn't have a clue. So um, it definitely took like a good few years to kind of figure it out. But I've been quite lucky that people have kind of stuck with it, I suppose. But I think like what I've always wanted to do is just make make sure I'm like and in like my sound is individual and what I do is individual. Um, which has maybe made it a bit harder sometimes over the years because you know people like to pigeonhole stuff. It's just like yeah. a, it's just natural, isn't it? Yeah, but, they kind of need it, especially on on a lineup. You know, you have this sound, this sound, this sound. I've kind of found it maybe over the last year. I found myself on lineups um, where I've just played what I play, and the crowds are just a little bit confused. <laughs> Do you know oh, what I mean? Because really? maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe it's like if I go and play on the lineup, which is some more like maybe tech house sort of people, um, I will play my kind of style and I don't know, you know, people can kind of get a bit confused sometimes, but I'm cool with that. I, like, I'm happy just sticking to my own thing. Well, you know, that's what Larry Levan said anyway. He was like, unless you clear the room twice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> exactly. But it's like, it's like, um, yeah, I think it's I think it's all just about like being individual. I think like it's so hard to be individual these days because it's, yeah. people just want to be big now and everything's so instant and you know and I suppose there's always been an element of that, but I think now with like social media it's a bit more accelerated where it's like people just want the same sort of thing over and over again. And that's cool, that's what you're into, but you know, it's it's not what I wanna do. No, and I think it's really important that you stay true to your kind of like those initial like hip hop roots that you had, you know, you're just like, I'm just doing it because I love it and I rate yeah, it. It's almost exactly. nice that people enjoy it too. <laughs> you know, that's yeah, a bonus. That's what, that's what I mean. And like, I think like you end up finding like minded people throughout that, like over the years, like, you know, I kind of got to know like so many of the people who came to see me DJ just because they're into like the same sort of thing I'm doing yeah, um, yeah. and it's like yeah it's just like finding like my, my people is really nice I suppose well it's I mean your sound is like the tribal percussive very raw like African sounds and stuff and that that with like obviously black coffee and hyena and shimza all these the whole movement from South Africa is suddenly just blown yeah. up yeah, which is which is amazing. There's so much good stuff coming out of South Africa. I think like one of the 
one of my records that's going to come out in a few months is um, kind of in that vein. It's got a, a South African spoken word artist on it called Lazarus Man. Oh, um, Lazarus Man, amazing! Yeah, so I think that's going to probably end up being my next single, but I've been kind of working on it for like six months now. Um, but I could, honestly, like people ask me all the time, like where's the kind of African tribal Latin sort of roots come from? Because I'm just like some kid from the northwest of England, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, it kind of doesn't make sense sometimes, but I'm just like, that's just the vibe. I just love that. Like when I was listening, like going back to like the Dr. Dre, thing and like Timberland and the Neptunes and that kind of early 2000s hip hop stuff so the, the records that I liked the most were the records that were really percussive so yeah. even before I was into house music I don't know I just always liked like the weird kind of them kind of weird hip hop records that were dead percussive so I think I just like I like and I just like drums I just like that, that's like my whole thing so I think maybe I just found you know finding like the New York kind of house sound like Danny Tanaglia and Mass at Work and and that kind of stuff. That was what really got me into like the um, like Latin house music, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's such a, I mean, I think it's just such a raw sound. Yeah, it is unique and I think there's, there's so many different things you can do with it. You know, you can, you can have like that kind of black coffee South African there's kind of like a bit progressive sounding. There's the like kind of music crew from Berlin. They've got their own spin on it. Yeah. And then there's like the straight up like tribal tech house sort of records. And then there's, there's, there's kind of so much you can do with that sound. I think it's, it just makes it a bit more fun being in the studio and like playing the records because yeah, it's just fun music, I suppose. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about at the end of the day, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're actually off to the studio now, and it sounds like yeah. you've got something very exciting in the works with Lazarus Man. Um, mm-hmm. Have we got any releases, more releases from you? Yeah, I mean, I've just, I've been, because that's what I've been kind of doing this year. I've been just, just waiting it out, really, because I think um, I just want to make sure the music's right, basically. And, um, I just never want to rush stuff. I'm quite lucky that I'm in a position where I can... I'm not one of them artists that has to release music all the time. Do you know what I mean? It's like I can kind of wait and go and tour a bit and then come back to it. Um, So there's going to be sort of like... I think next year there's going to be so much... a lot more music than I've ever put out because I've just got so much stuff to put out now. Oh, wow. Um, but I, I, I mean, I don't know where it's going to be or what labels or anything like that. I mean, I've got my own label that I could just do it on. Um, we're just kind of figuring all that all out at the moment, really. But um, yeah, it's exciting. It's kind of it's it, it's sounding like it's a bit different. It's it's still like that kind of tribal sort of typical melee sound, but. It's kind of a little bit more musical. It's a bit more synthy. There's a couple of more deeper tunes in there. Um, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's like it, it's just something I've been kind of just wanting to get right. I suppose I don't just like want to rush stuff out, you know. No, no. it's exciting. It's exciting, but it's like I'm kind of like I've been doing all my friends and like my management's heading because I just want I'm so desperate to get this music out do you know what I mean it's like when you're just sitting on music I've been playing it in my sets and stuff and I just want people to hear it now so 
I think we're aiming for like February, February, March will probably be when it starts going out, I think. Oh, really looking forward to hearing that then. I, I, I love your sound anyway, so to have it mixed with something slightly deeper and more. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's, I mean, it's nice. To, I've made a few records recently that kind of just sound like the kind of stuff I've been making and they're great songs, but it, I, 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 I was doing that two, three years ago and I just kind of always like pushing things forward, I suppose. Absolutely. Um, Be a David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you've got you've got to kind of evolve. It's like like I was saying, I've been doing it ten years now. It's like and I, I think that's the kind of way that you kind of evolve really if you if you just keep pushing it forward, you know. So fingers crossed people like it, but you know, who knows? But personally I think it's like the best stuff I've, I've ever done really. So it's exciting. Well, I'm excited for you. Bring on Mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, you've also got a night before that, right? You, I mean, your night you've been running for two years, but you've got a few dates. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got... Uh, so I've run a night in a book called Club Bad. We've kind of been doing it for two years now. It kind of just started really as a place... Because I lived in London for seven years, and it kind of started as a place where I could just come up and see my friends, really. Oh, nice. And we could, Yeah, and we could just get together and, like, play some music and stuff, and and then yeah it's kind of developed into like a lot quicker than i thought it would it would really um we've had like everyone's played it like william jocko benji b um we had artwork played one of the first ever ones dj hat like like so many of my favorite djs have played it yeah um, we just recently had the birthday with paul wolford and jamie 326 and la la I think in, in December we've got uh, Point G's playing. So it's good. I mean, it's just like a different thing that I like doing. It's like, I mean, being a promoter now is like, is stress. Do you know what I mean? Oh my goodness. Like, I never like, I never like envy my mates that do it and now I'm doing it. I'm like, oh my God, it's stressful. <laughs> but it kind of, it kind of like makes, it, it makes it all worthwhile on the night. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah, the thing. Good. The stress is balanced by the higher when it goes well, you know. So. Yeah, exactly. And it kind of just all makes it worthwhile. So I do really enjoy doing it. It's like I've, because I live back in Liverpool now, and um, I don't know, there's just so much love that goes into the night. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's it's all like a family sort of vibe. It's like my girlfriend helps run the night as well. It's like everyone's kind of like fully involved in it, um, which is really nice. So... I really uh, enjoy doing that at the moment. It's cool. Liverpool crowd as well. Obviously, I mean, obviously you know, but yeah, a few times I've played, I mean, it's been amazing. It's the best. It's literally the best, isn't it? Because it's just like I think just northern crowds just are better. I mean, yeah. it's like the further north you go, the more mental it gets. You get to like <laughs> Glasgow and going, like everyone's got the tops off and all that. Yeah, but even but, though um, it gets colder. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like, it's like, why has he got his top off? But yeah, <laughs> funny. Um, but yeah, Liverpool is is you know it's just, I mean, it's my home in it, so it's always I'm always gonna be kind of um, biased to it. But it is the best. It's brilliant. Um, thank mm. you so much for talking to me. I think you you've selected some tracks for us here on Soho Radio. Uh, yes. Ask what your first one is. <laughs> 
Okay, so this one is O'Flynn, Messablanca. Um, it's off his album that was released recently, which I love. I've been playing his stuff for a few years. Um, I think I found his music maybe via like someone like Forte or Ben Yefo was playing it. And uh, it's, it's like, I mean, he was doing that tribal stuff originally, but in his own way. And um, the album is kind of just a bit of a um, kind of extension of that. Uh, but this tune's like really interesting. It's like uh, I can't even. I don't. I don't even want to begin to explain what it is because I don't. I don't have the words for it. But it's an incredible record, and I love it. <laughs> Alrighty, you are listening to Spotlight. Myself, Jay Carter. That track was the beautiful Tear, and there's a reason why I'm playing Tear, because I'm joined by the multi-talented, multifaceted, and multicultural, because he's just been to Tayabs and he smells like a curry, <laughs> Ralph. Hi. Hi, how are you? Um, I just said a Tayabs, it was great. <laughs> and then came here. We can tell. <laughs> That's a, no, brilliant. That's the way to spend a Friday. But with Mixed Mag before that, where Radio yeah, Slave uh, played, you know, so it's not been like a one-stop shop tonight. You haven't just spent all day there, just like two hours. Naan. <laughs> two hours. I reckon I could handle a naan every four hours, because that's when you digest, isn't it? I mean, I think I eat about four. <laughs> In the space of one hour. So, <laughs> no, you're right. You have been uh, very busy at Mixed Mag Lab with Radio Slave, because you run Mixed Mag, pretty much. Editor at large. So, yeah, we had a lab today with Radio Slave, and um, he has a new project with another guy called Patrick and it was very Danny Tanaglia actually it was like a you know it was kind of very Sound Factory vibes they did a cover of Gypsy Woman um, did and, she mind? <laughs> um, I think her daughter is involved Matt was saying that the new version that they've done her daughter has vocaled it and then she's going to like it, it's an interesting new project that's coming out so yeah interesting um, it's really hard to do techno with vocals because Techno, by definition, doesn't have vocals, and house music, I think, when it does vocals, can often be quite sort of fluffy, mm. um, or the lyrics aren't very good. This was like, you know, the guy was voguing, and oh, um, nice. it had sort of really dark energy. Um, I guess a bit like this track. Um, I guess that's what you call a segue. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it is. It's very well segued. But yeah, tell us about this track. So. This is Energy Sync by Tur. She's a vocalist who Errol Alkin put on my radar. About a year ago, I guess, he played at Earth. And he played this track and he called me over and he said, this, this is this record I've just signed. And it was Taylor Devotion. And, you know, it was an incredible record. It was remixed by Prince Thomas. Um, nice. it, it just sounded like a breath of fresh air. And I think that it was enough to make me jump on a on a on a train to Berlin to go and meet her. Oh, wow. And, not just up the road then. Um, I'm trying to not fly as much at the moment. So I took the train and I think it took about eight hours. Um, but it's a very pleasant journey from King's Cross, which is, you know, never a bad thing. And um, got there. We met up and um, realised that we had a lot in common and... This is the follow-up single, which is also on Fantasy. It came out today. Came out today, everybody. Exclusive. Yeah. Well, kind of. Yeah, it was, is that today? <laughs> um, this is the follow-up. I'm, I absolutely love this record. It doesn't even need a remix. It's so good. And um, 
Well, this is the club edit, and yeah. actually, this is quite different to the original. Yeah, the 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 vinyl has an acapella. It has the club mix, and it has the original mix. Um, and you know, around this, she's done some remixes. She remixed um, Rufus De Soul recently, which nice. was really good, and Manpower as well. And, you know, she's got a lot of fans. Errol played this record for the first time at Printworks a couple of weeks back. Mm. Um, you know, it's a little bit Electric Clash. There's definitely an Electric Clash revival going on right now. Definitely. Errol played a couple of tracks. He, he, he played something. He went, this is on International DJ Gigolos, which, of course, is a label that no one's talked about for about 15 years. But the reality is that sound has come around again. And... Um, you know, I guess it you know it reminds you of Miss Kitten and the Hacker and Felix the House Cat, Kitten and the Glitz, all that stuff. It was amazing, and I think that we are this this record is very much bringing back that sort of ethos of you know spine tingling electro. Um, spine tingling. Well, yeah, I love the kind of this. It's it's very driving, but it's also got that light kind of eighties sound as well, which is it's really. I guess we, there's a lot of disco stuff that's doing the rounds as well at the moment. Yeah, I mean. There's definitely a disco revival that we're slam bam in the middle of, and you know this this record is a little bit disco, it's a little bit electro. You know, Daniela's from Brazil. Um, oh, is she? Oh. Yeah. You know, and I think in Brazil, the '80s music, which everyone knows and loves, whether that's you know the Eurythmics, mm. the Cominards, the Pet Shop Boys, like you know that music, has, for whatever reason not only resonated then but it really resonates now so you know the Pet Shop Boys who I do remix A&R for are huge in Brazil they're pretty big everywhere else as well <laughs> yes but in Brazil it's like a whole nother level really and you know wow. they're not the only act I think that you know they you know PSBs are a product of the 80s but they're far from the only act who have sort of kept that you know you can go to Brazil, you can go to Argentina, you can go to South America yeah. and you can have a fan base which is maybe twice as big as the audience that you'll get elsewhere. I'm not sure why. The other place that's a bit like that is um, Buenos Aires and also Tel Aviv. So big acts like Depeche, like Depeche Mode's last world tour opened in Tel Aviv. Um, Madonna's last world tour opened in Tel Aviv because the, there is a fan base there which is so mm. massive. Well, that's why, you know, it's so... Well, when, you know, people boycott Tel Aviv and there's a, a real big divider at the moment. People, you know, it's artists. They're like, you know, can you let politics get in the way of giving these people the art that they really want and really crave? I mean, you know, in the 80s, the, the big place was Sun City, wasn't it? And, you know... Queen went there, they got crucified, and to this day, they regret, They, I know that they all regret it, because they've all talked about how much they regret it. Um, Tel Aviv, I think, you know, in the end, you just have to let the music do the talking, yeah. and I think that um, as much as certain artists will say that they're political, um, the primary reason that they're going is to have the most incredible opening to their tour imaginable. It's not, they're not there to bang a drum particularly I don't think um, but it is interesting you know why certain bands are big in sort of certain places and not others like you know and D Daniela um, talked to me about you know she loves the Pet Shop Boys she loves the Communards but some of these bands she made the point of telling me that you know um, she didn't grow up with them but yet 
they've become a sort of part of the. They came through. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, I think really, if music really speaks to you, like even Melo was saying earlier, you know, he never listened to house music ever. He, you know, he was hip hop and loved that kind of stuff, and then actually that found its way into his life gradually as he got older you know in his late teens and he's never looked back so I think when music speaks to you it does doesn't matter where it's from or what age you are or just yeah if you feel it you feel it basically oh absolutely and I think you know I've I've always said I'm a child of the 80s but it's weird that the 80s as an important um decade doesn't ever seem to dip in importance I guess because so much amazing electronic pop and synth pop came out of the 80s but you know it can't just be me banging a drum for it like and and actually isn't because you listen to a record like this you know Daniela is not my generation she's the generation further back down one and the reality is this record couldn't be really any more sort of 80s marauderish if it tried marauderish I think more people should use that word (laughs) I mean I find myself using it all the time (laughs) actually on on Monday I'm interviewing Sarone He's not. He's a little bit eighties, but he's more from the seventies. You know, the French dude who did Supernature. So I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to that. That'll be great. Um, yeah, you must have a lot in the diary. Like, what, what, where do we even start? How has your year been? Well, you know, I'm. I guess I'm forty percent mixed mag and sixty percent acetate. Mixed mag takes up a lot of my time because I'm editor at large, and you know, I've interviewed Bjork, I've interviewed Carl Craig. Sven Vey, everyone for the cover really and you know now I oversee all the, the, the reviews in the magazine the big job used to be the cover mount CDs and when I first got into the industry you know the CD was what sold the magazine yeah. you know if you had a CD from Carl Cox you'd sell 40,000 magazines um, a lot of paper <laughs> five years later it was less but it was still the CD that would drive the sales of the magazine so if you had a CD from you know, Sven Vey or Sasha, um, it would sell a significant amount. Mm. Obviously then, you know, the goalposts shifted because the reason to buy music in a magazine started to change. And I guess about three years ago, Mixmag stopped doing a CD altogether. I think Black Madonna was the last one. Um, You can still get a mix, but it's not a free CD. It's a, a download. And it also, you know... The reality is that I think I'm the only person in the office who has a CD player at home. You know, Seb in the office said to me... Flying the flag. Well... I bet they all come to you when they want to rip them. <laughs> they don't even rip them. I don't think that, you know, the ownership of music, which is kind of what a CD or a vinyl is about, is not where the real, the, the, the you know, the majority of people are. If you have a Spotify or, or Apple Music account, you don't own the music, you're playing the music. And that's yeah, fine, um, but I'm a collector. So if you collect things, you want to have them. So unfortunately, if an artist I like has an album out, I want the CD, I want the vinyl, I want to have it, I want to look at it, I want to read the sleeve notes, I want to see the thank yous. Um, that's the only thing that's primarily been lost. I'm I'm not so precious about people owning stuff because we also now live in a world where clutter and stuff... Stuff, so much stuff. ...kind of... <laughs> less important now I mean in the you know the reality is when I was growing up you had vinyl you had CD you had mini disc you had cassette then you lost mini disc then you lost cassette CD is just about hanging on vinyl made a comeback um, but most people are happy to just stream now 
you know, if you look at the numbers for big records and big dance records, one, two, three, four million, they're just streaming. People aren't buying these records. Mm. A big dance record now by Hot Since 82 is being streamed. People aren't buying it. They enjoy it. And I think, you know, um, I'm fine with that. In the end, I don't care as long as the quality's there, you know? Yeah, it's true. Always buy the wave. <laughs> Always stream the wave. I don't think you can stream waves, actually. But I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So where do you, th- where do you see it going in the future, then? Do you think we'll just move into a f- complete streaming? Or, as you say, vinyl has made a bit of a comeback. I mean, we could, we could talk about this for hours. The reality is the vinyl thing... If you look at it in the grand scheme of things, it's a bit like saying, you know, Cadbury's cream eggs are making a comeback, really. It's not a big deal. I love Cadbury's cream eggs. So just for the... <laughs> me too. I also quite like Kinder eggs, but they're not making a comeback. They are there. Yeah, true. But, true. True. you know, the raw numbers suggest that people do not want to buy cds or buy you know like there's a weird cassette revival going on at the moment yes but it's it's a hipster thing it's not real yeah it's just you know i went to see bjork last week and it was like buy 10 bjork tapes for 100 pounds (laughs) 10 of the same tape well no of her you know of her albums but no one is actually going to listen to them you're just buying them because it reminds you of something from your childhood if you're old enough like me or you have an old car like me and you can only play tapes. <laughs> it's got the same one that just goes round and round but and round. Don't forget, the whole reason that tapes were superseded by CDs was because CDs sounded better yeah. than cassettes. And also it was the instant, you know, like the thrill of when you first had a CD and you're like, oh, I can skip this rather than press <laughs> fast forward. It was incredible. Yes. And, you know, everyone has their, their opinion on whether a CD sounds better than, a, a, you know, a record or whatever. But the reality is tapes just never sounded brilliant you taped stuff off the radio in the way that you recorded your favorite tv show yeah and you weren't watching it because you know of the incredible quality you were watching it because it was you know a slightly hissed version of the the real thing i remember when i recorded over one of my mum's coronation streets and she went ballistic (laughs) she was like i won't know what happened to shelly but so yeah, did she, least, get, did she get over it in the end? She did get over it, yeah. But I was just <laughs> times are times have improved. So no, no, times <laughs> have improved. I, I, you know, it's it's an interesting time. I think people do not want to have the ownership that they used to have. I think that's partly down to the fact that there's other fun stuff in the world. You know, like Sonos is a really good system for listening to music that doesn't require you to hmm. own a thousand CDs, records, or whatever. You know, like it. And, you know, as people grow up, families come into play and they get pets and life takes over. And the reality yeah. is, you know... You have to clean your vinyl out of the spare room so they can make room for a baby. Cleaning out your closet, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, let's let's whack on another track from another one of your artists, just because we don't have much long... Much, much long? We don't have much long. <laughs> Do you have much any long? Left. Just a, a bit, bit of long. long. Just right, a little okay. bit of long. Yeah, Harry Romero is someone that I've known for um, nearly 20 years now. He came through with Eric Murillo on Subliminal. Uh, but he also had his own label called Bambossa. He had a couple of big hits with Night of the Black and Tanya, both big DC-10 records. Um, he's having something of a renaissance right now. Like Honey Dijon and Louis Vega did um, a mix for RA this week. There were five Harry Romero records in it. And... <laughs> 
Um, Says something, doesn't it? Honey Dijon did an interview with Harry last week, and you know she loves him, and she remixed Tanya. Um, you know he's having this incredible rebirth, and you know Damien Lazarus is signing music. We have a big record next year on Island Records called Where Did We Go? And um, the one you're going to play is on Cecile. Now, Cecile is another label that techno heads will remember because, it, um, you know, records like Sis Standing and, you know, the, the Cocoon community loved this label because just the, the records were incredible. This is the second release on the revived Cecile. It's by Harry Romero and it's called Mood Vision. Harry Romero with Mood Vision. I love that track. I think it's brilliant. It's fantastic, isn't it? It's proper Friday. Let's go for a little cheeky little party. Let's go for a Tayabs. <laughs> what, twice? <laughs> well, how soon do you reckon you'll be back? What, here or there? Ta- well, I meant Tayabs, but please come back here because we've only we've had 20 minutes. It's just not long enough. <laughs> I've During that track, I've gone through my USB and gone, oh, you is for Pet Shop Boys. I've got one of those. Pulled one up and he's gone, it's not real, mate. It's not a proper one. No, it's a bootleg. It's a bootleg. And now I feel terrible. But it's quite good. So, if you can do some live a for me, we'll see the show out. With so, it. this is uh, uh, an, an unofficial, unreleased SoundCloud edit <laughs> of um, the biggest Pet Shop Boys song of all time, I guess. <laughs> um, oh, God, I'm uh, com- sweating. Completely unendorsed by the band, the label... <laughs> The management, the publishing company, uh, the mastering house, um, um, EMI America. Um, but I'd love you to hear it. You getting redder and redder. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so there's a reason I, 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 I definitely didn't buy it. I downloaded this song. It's a freebie on SoundCloud and I had to play a disco night. And I'm not, I don't have that many disco tunes in the bag. So, well, I, you know, uh, to go back to our 80s point, which, you know, we've only got a couple of minutes left on. The 80s was one of the best, best eras for electronic pop music, if not the best. And um, it was at a time when electronic pop went from sort of being on the fringes to being a number one uh, possibility. And this record was a huge record in 1985. Absolutely. Still is. Still is that there's hundreds of bootlegs of it out there. (laughs) So this is the uh, unofficial uh, Lasso East End edit. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me, Ralph. <laughs> you know, yeah. Please come back because it's funny. I'll come back and, you know, this is West End Girls. Turn <laughs> it up. 